Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. We help you build a thriving creative practice. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza! You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. So this is a part two of a series we're doing called the Creative Elixir series. If you want to go back and listen to episode one of that series, it's episode 276. Now, all series on this podcast are built like a Friends episode and not like a Game of Thrones episode. So um, (laughs) like a Friends episode, uh, unlike one, you're not going to get any Chandler with some could I be making any more podcasts kind of thing? Um, but you you can drop in any part of the series. They're standalone, but they work well together as well if you want to watch them or listen to them all the way through. They're not like Game of Thrones where you got to listen to part one before you listen to part two because you know what? Part one might just not be that interesting to you and you want to go straight to number two or number three. We're going to have four parts in this Creative Elixir series. Uh In 276, I go deep into what I'm talking about with the Creative Elixir idea. But essentially, we talk about how in a story, there's usually two basic parts. There's two basic yeses that a hero has to say to reach their full potential and succeed on 
becoming the the one true hero of their story. They have to say yes to finding their gift. They have to say yes to the call to adventure to go find their gift. And for creative people, that just means uh, that means saying yes to finding your craft, finding your what's your your true creative talent, your true you know developing your voice and and finding what it is you've really got that your audience needs. That's the first yes you got to say yes to. And there's a lot of people that get out there and try to market work, try to market a gift that is empty, that's hollow. They don't, they never really put in the time to find their creative style or voice or, 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 uh, you know, craft. They never put in that time, but they're trying to sell just, you know, nothing basically like a snake oil salesman saying, here's the cure, but they never went on the journey to find the elixir. And then you have a whole other group of people that never say yes to the second call. And the second call, uh, and that people are less familiar with this one is the call to return home. Call to return home. You go all the way to find your gift, but then you got to say yes to going all the way back to giving your gift to your people. And that's the call of marketing. It's the idea that once you've made the album, you also have to say yes to the press conferences, the radio appearances, the the live shows and the tour. You got to go say yes to the equally important and, and, and I would argue equally artistic, you know, this is the second call of marketing, getting your gift into your audience hands and doing your gift justice by getting it to the people that are desperate for this kind of thing. That second, yes, that second journey of marketing your art is as important and as much of the artistic journey as finding the gift in the first place. So that's what we're talking about. That's it in a nutshell. Like I said, you want to dive in deeper on that? Go to 276 before you listen to this one. Today on the show, we are going to focus on the journey to find your gift. Now, as I was working all this stuff out, I realized this this whole topic of the first journey of saying yes to finding your gift, that I actually need to break that into two episodes for because there's two separate topics. The first one that we're going to deal with today is we're going to talk about uh, the blind spot that will cause you to completely miss your true gift. There is a perception shift that is necessary to really know what it is you're looking for. And if you don't have this perception shift, you may never find your true creative gift. And we're going to get into that. And there's some tactical, actionable, you know, prompts, some creative prompts we're going to get into with that. But before we do, I just want to say, you know, I find it my purpose for living to help people lean into what's unique, what's strange, what's different about them, because I believe your gift lies there. I'm here to show you, you know, you're the chosen one for a very particular thing, just a, a thing that you only you can do. And it's either by divine design or by the process of evolution. But one way or another, the truth is you were designed to be one of a kind. And when you don't lean into that and you just lean into what makes a human average and maximize your averageness, you will miss your thing. It's my purpose. When I'm 
dead and gone. I hope that people say Andy showed me that I was one of a kind for a purpose and he helped me say yes to finding out what that purpose was. And so I could not be more passionate about this topic. Let's get going to number one on what blind spot you need to be aware of and how to fix that perception so that you don't miss your creative gift. Let's get going. So if you're taking notes, this is number one. The first thing you've got to do, if you're going to find your gift and, and, and look in the right place for it, the first thing you got to do is quit looking for something you don't have. Is that an oxymoron? Yeah, that's <laughs> kind of is, but I'm going to explain what I mean by that. So the best way I can explain it is with possibly my favorite episode of Fraggle Rock. If you don't know, it might be my second favorite, but it's close. I know you need to know which is his favorite Fraggle Rock song. We're all obsessed with knowing Andy's interests. All right. I'm sorry. I get it. You don't care. But my possibly my first favorite uh, episode 118, The Minstrels, is uh, an episode where Cantus Fraggle, played by Jim Henson, uh, Jim didn't play any of the star fraggles that were in every episode. So this was kind of like a special appearance. And he plays this character called Cantus. And he comes to the underground lair of the fraggles playing this magic pipe with his band, the minstrels. And it's super mysterious. And he's playing this song called Let Me Be Your Song. And he's playing the little pipe. And as he does, he plays it to little flowers and they start to bloom. It's kind of a Yoda kind of character. So choice, very mysterious, and I freaking love it. But he comes to tell the Fraggles, listen, each Fraggle, every Fraggle on the planet has a song that is unique to them. And when Fraggles sing their song together, it creates a Fraggle medley, each individual part coming together to create this beautiful Fraggle song. And so he tells them, each of you need to go out and find your song. And at the end of, you know, my time here, we're going to come together and start singing it. And so Red Fraggle, who is a feisty uh, a female Fraggle, she's uh, always wants to be number one, always wants to be first. In fact, at the start of the episode, she says, I'm going to be first today. And she's going to be the first to go jump in the watering hole. Um, she's, she's like, I, you know, I, I want to lead the medley. I, I'm going to crush finding my personal song. And she tries and tries all episode. She's desperate to go out there and catch this song and be the leader. And as she goes about searching, she starts to panic because all the other fraggles find their song before she does. So she's doing everything she can to find her song. And she realizes maybe the song is actually in Cantus's magic pipe. And so she steals the pipe to see if the song that she's looking for is in that pipe. And it all goes terrible. And it's just a, a disaster for Red Fraggle. Now, at the end, Cantus tells Red, uh, you know, he confronts her for stealing the magic pipe and Red says, 
I've never had a song. And Kanta says, you've always had a song. All fraggles have songs. Listen. And it's in this moment where Red stops looking for something that she doesn't have and starts looking for what she already does, that she finds it. Finding your gift. It's a lot like, you know, when you're looking for your phone and you realize it's already in your hand. It's a lot like Dorothy with the Wizard of Oz, where the entire time she already had what she was looking for. The ruby red slippers that could take her home were on her feet the whole time. The scarecrow had his brain the whole time he was using it. He was the brains of the group. The lion was the courage of the group. Right? The Tin Man. I, f- I almost left him out, but then I felt terrible. I thought, you know, we, ha- we got to get going on this episode, man. But then I thought, wait a second. How's he going to feel? I'm sorry. I know you're sensitive because you've always had a heart. Right, Tin Man? But the journey is still necessary. The journey isn't about going out there into the world. When you're digging into your sketchbook with your pencil, when you're, you know, fiddling with that guitar and you're trying to see what's, what is going on, you, it, the journey's required, but right from the get-go, you've got to realize you're not looking for something you don't have. You're looking inside for the seeds of something you already do have. Looking back, the, my journey didn't really kick off until I stopped chasing trends. I stopped trying to be like somebody else. I stopped trying to look outside myself to find that inspiration. And I paused and I started to look internally and say, I'm going to go on the long, arduous journey of finding what I already have. And you too have been searching around like you're searching for your phone when your gift was in your hand the whole time. Now we're going to go through a series of exercises to help you unravel what do I already got and what practices are powerful on uh, sharpening and crystallizing that weirdness and that uh, that that oneness and that power and that uh, <laughs> neurodiversity that's already alive within you. All right, let's get to number two. All right, now that you've realized that you're not looking for something you don't have, you're looking for something you already do, the second thing you gotta do is plagiarize yourself. Now, we've addressed this idea recently on the podcast, but I want to dive deeper into it because I've done this in a very intentional way recently, and it was really powerful and really helpful to me. And I got some new insight on it too. So second thing you gotta do is plagiarize yourself. Alfred Hitchcock said that style is just an artist plagiarizing themselves. It's just going back through the stuff that you've already made that worked and lifting stuff out of there and making new stuff with that as a springboard. You know, we talked about how Wes Anderson, my theory is that basically, you know, seven out of his nine films, or I don't even know how many films he has. That's just a totally random number. Um, But seven of the nine are exploring what does it look like to have a toxic father. And it's funny because they even use some of the same actors to play this out. It's like, all right, let's try this again. 
I, you know, I don't feel like I've totally articulated the thing that I want to say. And then recently I've read in an article that the filmmaker of the film Parasite said that he was just trying to, he, he remade a past of his, one of his films again with Parasite that he used so many of the same themes, so many of the same ideas, but a, a new setting with some new characters to try to take what's great about what he already did and take it to the next level. And as you can see, it got best film of the year. It worked. And so plagiarizing yourself, why does it matter? Because some of you, the reason you haven't embodied your gift is that you've already found it and you left it in your past. You know, I'm obsessed with this idea, this thing from like George Washington Carver, the guy who worked on the peanut his whole life. You know, uh, he, he had this conversation with the divine and said, yo, can you tell me, you know, what is the purpose of the universe and and the and the spirit says try a question that's smaller try one that's more your size and then he's like well what's the point of people then he's like keep going smaller and then he's like well what about a peanut he's like then the spirit says let's ask that question together and he spends his whole life figuring out the potential of a peanut and I think that there's a humbling of the artist when they realize that their potential is the size of a peanut. You're looking for some little thing, some little message, some little uh, place in your corner of the universe that's true to your unique DNA and experiences that you can exploit and m manipulate and push and pull and, and try to get to the bottom of it. You know, I heard this, speaking of getting to the bottom of things, you know, I heard this uh, quote from a mathematician who quit email in the 90s. By the way, goal of mine, quit email for good. I already don't do very much email at all because I, I work with my agent, Ryan. He handles most of it. And I try to pass off whatever I possibly can because I just can't stand it. And the reason is I resonate with what this mathematician said. He said that email is great if your job is to be on top of stuff. But my job is get to the bottom of things. And, it, and to get to the bottom of things requires deep work. It's deep diving, like George Washington Carver did, into a peanut. And so there's this thing of, you know, Pete Holmes said, you know, the sun doesn't say, you know, I rose yesterday. I'm going to try something new today. No, they say it again. They do it again. And so what I did recently, you know, I put out the first episode art of this series was a dragon kind of swirling around a sword. And probably most of you didn't notice just, just because nobody's paying attention to you so closely that they'll even realize that you're plagiarizing yourself. Uh, <laughs> but I've made that design uh, three or four times already before I made that episode art. And for those of you that noticed it, I'm guessing you saw something new in this new version. And the reason is, is because what I did was I went back to a t-shirt design that's my favorite t-shirt that I've ever designed. It says the pencil is mightier. It's a pencil sword with two black birds and like a scroll. And we made it for the Kickstarter we did a few years ago. And I just loved that t-shirt for, and I, and I didn't really know why. And that's the purpose that I'm trying to get at today of plagiarizing yourself is go 
back to the stuff that you made that worked. There was a song that worked. Can you lift a melody from that song and do a riff on it? Because it's yours. You know, if you do that, you will start to learn. You'll be able to not just accidentally and intuitively create something you like. You'll be able to codify and and create a framework for knowing exactly what your gift is. You know, uh, Spider-Man on Enter the Spider-Verse, he could go invisible, but it wasn't that useful until he knew how to do it on purpose. And that's what plagiarizing yourself is all about. I went and I dissected that bird t-shirt, that pencil is mightier t-shirt. And I just, I lifted the, uh, the, the colorway, the, the, the color palette. I, I lifted some of the techniques. I, I just made this dragon sword t-shirt exactly like I'd made that one. I tried to copy it exactly other than it's not birds, it's a dragon. And it's not a pencil sword, it's a regular sword. That's pretty much all I changed for the first one that I made. And I learned so much about what I like and what my, what my voice is and, and what I want my style to be through that exercise. So can you go back? Before we get carried away trying to do something new, trying to go out and say yes to this journey and get distracted with a whole new other thing, stop and see what are the ways that I've already found it. And let's name what did I find. You'll be blown away by how much of your gift you've already un covered. So go back to a favorite piece that you love and say, what's so great about it? And use it as a springboard for some new work. Number two that we just went over is plagiarize yourself. All right, after you do number two, after I, after you plagiarize yourself, it's time to do number three. That's the number that comes after two. You didn't know this was going to be a math lesson too, did you? So many layers of value. Uh, number three is do the same thing, but different. So I was reading the book, Everything You Want by Derek Sivers. And it's a great book. It's lots of little tiny uh, ideas, little tiny chapters with big ideas that are all just, you know, pick and choose wherever you want to go. And one that I came across that I was like, oh man, this is so good, was he had, he's a musician and he made a song and he showed it to his mentor and his mentor was like, love it. But now could we do a show tunes version? Could we do a punk version? Could we do a metal version? Could we do, you know, can you just do this song in like 10 different ways? Just see what it looks like to approach this song in a bunch of different ways. And the reason is, is because when we're making something, we kind of get in, we get locked into this idea that the way that we're making it is kind of the only thing that we could do with this idea. You get bogged down with, this is the piece I'm making about X, uh, you know, about this breakup or about this childhood issue or this thing I'm excited about or the weather or a cardinal. Ah, I love birds. But when you're making the piece, you get bogged down and, and it puts a lot of pressure on each choice because you feel like this is my piece about cardinals. This is what I have to say about cardinals. But it's not that simple. It's not that 
binary. It's a, there's, there's so many ways to approach the same thing. So for the, for number two, when I was plagiarizing myself, I did that dragon t-shirt and I did it the exact same color palette, the exact same process as I did the one I was copying of myself. But after I did that, I decided I was going to do a bunch of other styles of dragon t-shirt. I did one that was a punk t-shirt. It was just black on a white t-shirt. Minimal. How do I just pare back this thing, get all color out of it? What would it look like if it was a cool punk t-shirt? Then I did a metal t-shirt. What would it look like if it was on a black t-shirt with white, with red lettering that was all drippy and like, yeah. What would it look like if it was grungy like that? Then I did a designer vibes 2020, you know, kind of updated, kind of feels like a little trendier than the other ones. What would it look like if I took that same design and I took it you know, four different ways, you know, the deconstructed thing, it's like a, you know, a deconstructed burrito where you open it up and it, it's actually just a burrito bowl. But I like to, when I go to Chipotle, say, can I have the uh, deconstructed burrito? I, I never have never done that, but you could, and it would sound very intelligent. So after you deconstruct it, you can do, you know, like the chef says, this, this is, is cheese four ways, four different ways of having this same cheese. Do that for your design. Have you ever tried it? Take it in it. Maybe if you're like, I don't have time for this, man. Maybe just take one little tiny design, maybe a sticker design, maybe maybe a little melody. Uh, you don't have to make and record a whole song, but what would it look like if you just sang it like a country person? You know, what would it look like if you sang it like uh, it was R&B? And, and just see from every different angle and what that, you might not end up with four different songs, but what you might end up with is a totally different take on the song that you end up finishing. And so I love that. It was very powerful. I mean, it sounds like a cool exercise. You're like, yeah, that's cool. Actually do it, man. Because when I, when I started to do that, I feel like I got all the, I got also got a taste of kind of which of these flavors feels right to me. And it's, it wasn't probably the one, like when I go wear one of these t-shirts, which we're going to talk about in a second, I'm going to go for the punk vibe. Okay. And I've never listened to punk in my life. I hate it. Uh, the most punk I've ever listened to is Blink-182. Anyway, don't turn off this podcast. Ramones fans, I think that's punk, right? <laughs> now you're even more offended. Let's get on to number four. All right, number four. So let's just recap real quick. We got number one, don't look for what you don't have. Look what you already do. Number two is plagiarize yourself. Number three, same but different. Do the same thing, but do it in a few different ways. Number four is once you've done that, use what you make. Actually use your own stuff. I call it get high on your own supply. We've mentioned this on the show before, but I want to dive deeper because I started doing that. Since we started talking about it, I started doing it more and I feel like I've learned some extra sauce and I actually believe in this idea, even though it's kind of controversial. It's kind of different uh, to what most artists do or how we think about our work. You know, Amy Poehler was once asked, do you think you're funny? Uh, do you think Parks and Rec is funny? And she's like, 
of course I think it's funny. Like how else could I make this work? Like I'm making it for me. I'm making the show that I want to watch and I think it's hilarious. I have this feeling, this deep conviction that creative work, it's not like tickling yourself. You ever try to tickle yourself? Let's try it. <laughs> uh, I'm humoring myself. I'm actually tickling. It's not working. You can't tickle yourself. But I don't think creative stuff is like that. I think it's more like you're a chef making your favorite dish, making your favorite sandwich. You're, you know what you want. You got to get a little vinegar in there. You get a little, you need something to cut that cream that you're putting on with the mayo and you got, you know, little arugula, microgreens. Mm, I'm hungry. Uh, but I think it's kind of like that is you're, you're the only thing you have, the foundation of your gift, what you're building on. I believe, you know, sometimes I think about there's a, there was this idea that, you know, in a utopian society, there wouldn't be any creative critics. That the way that a person would critique another creative output would be to create something in response. And I feel like sometimes, you know, look, I'm not just, I'm not saying a binary thing of like, if you're a critic, it's bad. But sometimes I wonder if some people, you know, they start with the right foundation, which is their own taste, their creative taste buds, but they stop before actually finding their own craft on what to do with that. And so I, I feel like uh, you, you've got to start with what lights you up. When people, when artists, you hear them say, you know, you got to don't make it for somebody else, make it for yourself. I don't think that that means like, you know, that I feel like sometimes that gets misunderstood as like, don't care about anybody else. Don't worry about connection. You know, I think comics really fly in the face of that theory of, you know, they start by making it for them. They start by thinking this thing is funny to me. And that is the right place to start, baby. But I actually think as we're going to talk about in the episodes about the second journey of getting your gift out there, I think the connection thing is something that you shouldn't ignore once you've already found some things that do it for you. But start with stuff that does it for you. And I would... I would, if you want to be the kind of artist that we're talking about on this show that, that thrives on purpose, I believe that you've got to shift into something that might be uncomfortable for you. And it's actively sporting your own stuff. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like this. I made Dragon T-shirt 2.0, like 6.0. 6.5 months ago, getting lots of decimals in there. Uh, I made an other version, an earlier version of the dragon sword design and put it on a t-shirt. And uh, I, uh, you know, I used one of these cotton bureau. I used the direct t-shirt thing. So I could just print, make the design, print it myself and buy my own t-shirt and wear it. And I designed it with the idea of you're actually going to wear that. And that was really helpful. And we've, that's what we've talked about in the past is like, you know, don't just think what kind of t-shirt would people like? Like that's first of all, pandering because you're, you're guessing what they want, but it's also like trying to win cornhole by throwing all the bags at the same time, like trying to hit this broad target of people, like all these, you know, it's just a, a terrible way. It's a terrible marker. It's very vague kind of target. And I would suggest 
you know, not just thinking of people, of thinking one particular person. And I would go as far to say that particular person is you because there's nobody you're more in tune with of what you love. And so that Dragon T-shirt 2.0, I made it with the idea that I'm going to wear this. What do I want to wear? But I didn't stop there. And, and in the past, we've stopped there. But I want to push it further. I bought that T-shirt and I've been wearing it for six months. And as I wore it, as I actually was eating this dish day in, day out, I started to realize all the problems with it, all the ways that, you know, I don't, I don't, it doesn't, the colors didn't match the other stuff that I usually wear. Like, you know, there was so many things about this design that just, it, it, there, there was too many colors. It, it just didn't, it didn't really do it for me. And so after actually copying myself, because that design t-shirt 2.0 was a copy of a thing I'd made a year before that. So I plagiarized myself and I used it and I realized it didn't actually do it for me. And that informed all the other ones I've made since. And I'm so much happier with all these other designs that I've, I've they're on Cotton Bureau. You can go search Andy J Pizza if you want to go check them out. But I've seen a bunch of people buy them and wear them and I am thrilled about it. And I would have never got to that place with this work, with this gift that I'm trying to give if I hadn't actually used it. Now, I know it's uncomfortable to use your own creativity, but would you buy a Toyota from a person that drives a Honda, right? You know, the guy that invented the bulletproof vest, nobody was buying it. Nobody believed him. And guess what? He used it on himself. That's the conviction that he had. And when you see people with that kind of belief and conviction in their inventions, you buy in. And there's, yeah, it's weird to go around wearing my own clothes. I'm wearing my own t-shirts 90% of the time now. And I get, there's something weird about that. I, I'm feeling you. I get it. But it does something to my ability to uncover my gift that I can't let go of. You know, I learned this from a buddy of mine, Andrew Nyer. At some point, he's a lighting designer and an illustrator and a, one of my best friends. Um, and I, it, when I met him, he was going through this transition where he created a studio and in his studio, all he hung up were pictures that he had made. And at first I was like, man, that's kind of weird. But he said he was trying, every poster he was designing was he was, he saw a wall and he was like, I need to put a poster there. What would be the perfect thing to put there? And that was informed by, he has this massive, amazing, successful lighting design practice. It's called Stuff. Go to andrewnyer.com if you want to check it out. If you need some new lights, this is where to get them. They're beautiful. We've got a huge one of the Astro Mobile lights in our studio. It's gorgeous. That's my favorite part of walking in the studio every day is seeing that gorgeous light. That whole lighting practice was found by Andrew needing a light, not being able to find what he was looking for, and just getting high on his own supply, just making the thing that he needed. And he turned that into a big part of his practice. When he needs a poster, if he can't find the poster he's looking for, he designs the perfect poster for that particular use. And, you, and guess what? You're a person and there's other people that have similar taste to you. And if it really lights you up and it gets to that secret sauce, man, there's other people out there that are dying for and thirsty for your creative juices. And so you got to get on to the granular level. You've got to really, you know, not just theoretically think, what, what would one wear? 
on their back, but then actually wear it on your back. You know, if you're a product designer, this means, you know, when they make a, a new pair of scissors, a good product design firm, they're going to use those scissors thousands of times, the actual designer, so they can get intimate with it. Yes, it's going to be weird. Yes, people are going to look at you weird when they know you're wearing your t-shirts and, and, and listening to your own music, but it's the price you got to pay. There's so much, uh, there's such a cost to being a thriving creative and uh, it's going to make you stand out. But like I always say, what do you call an artist who doesn't want to stand out? I don't know, but you don't call him an artist. Oh, uh, that was a weird, <laughs> I meant to do. I've got buttons now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's get to the last point, point five. All right, last one. Okay, let's do it. Last one is trust your bad knee. You gotta trust your bad knee. You gotta, you gotta, being an artist is a lot about trusting your own intuition. And so you can't wait to, till you hear thunder to chase the lightning because it's already gone. And there's so many creative people that are chasing trends. They're chasing a lightning bolt that was there 10 minutes ago. And if you're always chasing lightning, you're never going to be able to bottle it. Like, you know, the great creative work, it feels like lightning in a bottle. It feels magic, right? That's the business that I, that's why I'm in this creative business. That's why I'm making stuff is I want to bottle some lightning, but you're never going to do that. If you're chasing thunder, you're only going to do that. If you trust that bad knee, you know, you got the creative person, they've got that bad knee. It starts shaking and wiggling and giving you some signs that there's a storm a coming and you got to listen to that. You know, when I was starting out, there was so many influences and things I was excited about that I wasn't seeing mirrored in popular culture. Nobody else seemed to care about it. And for the longest time, I thought, all right, I guess I, I don't know. That's just something I'm into. Nobody else really cares about it. And then three years later, five years later, it's all over the place. The influence is just blown up. And so I've learned to when I'm starting to feel some, some shakes and some wiggles in my bad knee to take notice of it, because that's part of my job is to use that taste as a metal detector to find where the gold's going to be, not where it was. That mind's tapped. You know, you've got you've to trust your intuition. You've got to tune yourself into that metal detection. And so I create a little resource for you. You can go to creativepeptalk.com slash bottle, B-O-T-T-L-E, and you can download an Instagram stories template. It's a little bottle and it's your lightning in a bottle. And I want you to take a bet. I want you to share with people, you know, what are the bands that you think need more attention? We're like, dude, can't believe nobody's listening to this. I'm obsessed. For me, it's like Jamie Drake. She's not getting... Uh, all the attention she deserves. That is some special cinematic. It's like almost Disney princess with some heart and soul of Joni Mitchell and Vashti Bunyan. Boom. Oh, it's delicious. Mwah. Chef's kiss on that one. Ollie, O-L-L-I. This is my lightning in a bottle. I'll probably put it up on Instagram with one of these templates. It's just a little bottle thing with creative pep talk going on. But Ollie, O-L-L-I, they, they, they kind of remind me of like, uh, lo-fi hip-hop, although they might uh, think, you know, that might make them cringe. I don't know, but man, I can't get enough. It's like emo lo-fi hip-hop. Boom! 
doing the trick for me. Old influences you might want to put in there. You know, for illustration, Carly Reich, I believe it was a Hungarian illustrator. That stuff looks like it was made today. And it was made 60 years ago, 70 years ago. It's amazing. And yet I'd never heard anybody talk about them. I'm going to give you one more. If for the illustrators out there, you know, I know uh, we, got, we got a lot of different types of creatives listening these days, but illustrators, kids book writers, Remy Charlip has been one of my biggest influences uh, for probably six or seven years. Whoa, I just gave away a crazy secret. And I've hardly ever heard anyone talk about Remy Charlotte. But what are the films? What are the books? You know, the book, The Hike, my buddy Kyle Sheely gave me that book. And I was like, don't give me homework. Ever, anybody ever give you a book? It just feels like you're, you know, back in high school. And it's like, uh, now I got to read this. He's going to ask me about it later. And I was like, okay, I'll try to read it. And he kept hounding me. And I took it on vacation one year. And I am obsessed. I have given that book. I bought that book for so many people by Drew Madry. Dear God, it is beautiful. And I don't know very many people. You know, I think that's one of those ones. It's just going to slowly but surely catch on until it's a best-selling movie. Um, so good. But what are the things for you that you don't see anybody else caring about, talking about, but your bad knee says there's a storm a coming. Show us some of those exciting influences. Show us what's inspiring you that's unique to you. Um, and, and light up and, and, and share some great creative work that's happening now even that you feel like just deserves some more attention. You can get that template at creativepeptalk.com slash bottle. I use the, the actual letter T in that for my British listeners. Bottle. Uh, yeah, go check it out. Recently, I stumbled upon an old video of mine from 2011. It's a video I made to, it was the second video I made to promote a Kickstarter I was doing. We were going to do this big screen printing thing of a daily drawing project that I'd been working on for a whole year. And uh, watching this video was <laughs> painful in so many ways. And, uh, <laughs> and it was weird to look back at myself at this time in my creative journey. And the thing that kind of stuck out the most was that as I was talking about this project, I was saying everything, the whole idea, the whole heart, the whole gift behind my new project called Invisible Things. I was saying everything. I had it. I had everything but the name from, you know, a thing it took me almost a decade to actually get to. You know, I had an I have this project that's kind of the heart and soul of my illustration practice. We're, we're doing some things behind the scene with it. But, you know, a few years ago, it's called Invisible Things. And I put it online and it, it went viral on Twitter and, uh, and a bunch of crazy things have happened since then about it. Um, but it's, it's really my baby. It's my gift. And, uh, and as I'm watching myself, you know, I did it just recently and I'm watching myself talk about this project from 2011, almost 10 years ago. And everything I'm saying is the heart and soul of invisible things. 
And the whole time I'm just waiting, like, am I going to say invisible things? Like, do you have it even then? Like I go, I'm talking about, you know, this drawing project, it's about everything beyond the senses. It's everything below the surface, the things that really matter. And then I go list, uh, you know, depression and melancholy and happiness and joy and belief and faith and family, blah, blah, blah. All these things. I list all these words that end up being the names of the characters from Invisible Things. Like I've got it right there. I was so close 10 years ago, right? And I was tempted to watch this video and be like, you idiot, you had it then. Why did you have to go a decade of making stuff and struggling and pain and fighting and blood, sweat and tears? You already had this thing from the beginning. And I, and that's what I wanted to say to myself, but you wouldn't talk to anybody else like that, would you? Nobody would ever have, no one ever felt that way. Never, it never even occurred to say that to the screen when you're watching Wizard of Oz and Dorothy finds out that she's had the ruby red slippers the whole time. She had her ticket out of Oz the whole time and nobody says, you moron, what are you doing? Why did you take that painful route and have to fight the trees and the, and the flying monkeys and the witch and the, oh man, why? you're so dumb, what an idiot. You are, Dorothy. Nobody ever says that, right? Why? Why don't we feel that way about Dorothy? And yet we will treat ourselves like that. You know, in this video, uh, if I show you this video, if you go, go look it up. It's in the show notes. Uh, it's an old Vimeo from 2011. If you go look it up. And I told you, hey, this is my cousin Bruce. Uh, he's, uh, you know, a bit insecure and, uh, he's got a little drawing project he's raising money for you. That would be more believable than saying, this is me. That's how different I am from going on this journey. And when I realized that, I realized it wasn't stupid that I've taken a decade to get to this place where I can wield this gift in the way that I'm wielding it right now. And that's when I realized that the journey isn't about finding the gift. It's about becoming the vessel. Because when I watch that person in that video, it's not barely me that the biggest changes weren't the successes and the art style and all of the exterior things. The biggest changes were what happened inside of me. And if you will go on a journey making, plagiarizing yourself, trying it three, cheese, three ways, but it's your art. You know, if you will put in that time and that intentionality and that, that grit, you're going to become the type of person that can wield that beautiful, gorgeous, magical thing that is already within you. And I showed this video to a few friends and I showed it to my dad just to see if they had a similar response. And they did. They were all kind of shocked, like, who is this person? <laughs> but, you know, my dad's point of view, he said, you know, from your perspective, my dad said to me, from the person who is in this video, I'm sure it's kind of hard, maybe cringy to even look back at that person 
from that long ago. And, and you probably feel like, you idiot, you're so far off. And it's probably just kind of a, a weird experience. But he said from the father's point of view, it's totally different. It's so uplifting and hopeful and beautiful because you see someone who is 95% off finding it. And I see someone who just found the first 5%. I see somebody who for the first time ever quit chasing trends, quit trying to be somebody else and actually valued their own ideas, their own point of view for the first time and did a daily drawing project to take a bet on themselves. See, to you, this video is all the ways that you're so far off. But from my point of view, I see the person who just said yes to embracing and embodying their true gift. And it's a beautiful thing. And the thing is, no matter where you are right now on your journey to finding your creative gift, to finding what you're doing on this planet, what's weird about you and leaning into that thing, wherever you are, you might be a decade away. I don't know. Maybe you're almost there. Maybe you're on the precipice of a true catalytic breakthrough. I don't know. But wherever you are, you can have that 5% because you're not looking for something that you don't have. You're looking for what you already do. And the second that you decide to own that, you're on your way. Hey. Huge thanks to all of you for showing up week after week. I hope this brought some pep to your step. I was really pumped about this episode and I'm loving this series and the feedback just from the first episode has been fantastic. Go get your uh, Instagram stories template at creativepeptalk.com slash bottle, B-O-T-T-L-E and uh, share your lightning in a bottle. Share what you think is really jazzing you right now that you don't see anybody else getting stoked on. Share some of the goods. I, I love sharing some obscure inspiration um, and I love finding that stuff. You know, John Klassen, I'm a big fan of, he's a picture book maker and sometimes he'll share like old obscure illustrators that I've never seen before and it's super cool. Um, go check it out, creativepeptalk.com slash bottle and you can sign up to the newsletter and get the template. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks to Yoni Wolf for our theme music. Thanks to the uh, Alex Sugg for making our soundtrack. Thanks to Jordan Aaron for editing the show and thanks for all of you showing up week after week. Uh, I've got dude, the next part of this Elixir series is already recorded and it's uh, one of the most deeply prepared that I've ever been for an episode and and I'm I cannot wait to let the cat out of the bag. Uh, okay. Thanks for listening. Till we speak again, you know what to do, man. Stay pepped up. <laughs>